Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to this universe. We haven't been here for a little while, but we're back. Hello, hi. Hello, here we are again. That's Stu, and I'm Mark, and um, Stu, we're not alone. We're not alone. We have people here with us. We're sharing the speaking duties. We are. We thought we'd invite some of our mates along to do it. Um, And this is sort of a rehearsal for our next universe, which we have a grand plan for, which we're quite excited about, aren't we? Don't give it away. I went, no, I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to say anything. But I am going to introduce our friends, Sean. Hello. And Miles. Hello. And Sam. Hello. Hi. It's a bit male heavy. We tried to get some of our um, female friends along, but they um, didn't want to. Aren't interested in space. Yeah. Forget it. I don't think. Things to do. Yeah. I don't don't think women in general aren't interested in space. Just want to clarify that. Uh, But they just weren't interested in this space that we're talking about here. Maybe they're just not interested in us. I find that hard to believe, don't you? No. <laughs> so um, we're all friends, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Famously. <laughs> that sounded really convincing, didn't it? Lots yeah. Again at the end. <laughs> yeah, we're all friends at this point of the recording, aren't we? I'm just trying to think, how much should we offer to do this? It's 40 quid. How much should I give you? Some biscuits. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> You're getting biscuits? <laughs> Who's giving you biscuits? Oh, I can't can't talk about that. Right. Five quid's five quid. I suppose. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of broken biscuits. Do you still get broken biscuits? You do. Do yeah. you? Yeah, Where? I see them in the market. Yeah, all yeah. you need to do is just drop the packet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a good idea. It's a very good idea. Uh, That'd be a bit annoying though, because you pay a premium to do that, wouldn't you? Yeah, but the biscuits are cheaper. But the satisfaction of doing mm. it. I mean you can't put a price on that. We all, I'm going to, I'm going to call it mugging. We all mug you <coughs> to tell us space-related stuff every time we see you. Pretty much, don't we? I thought it was just an excuse for us to go to the pub and say that we weren't just going to drink. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> we don't need people to know that. Can I ask you about about something we spoke about in the pub not long ago? Uh, is this about whose round it was? No. Okay. No, because we know it's Miles's round. Right. Isn't it? Is it my round? Usually. Really? Yeah. 
we we got talking about this and everyone found it quite mind-blowing. Um, we were talking about all the millions, billions of galaxies out there. Yeah, the what, galaxies themselves. What are we in? Are we in millions or billions? Oh, more than billions. So, in, so the, the galaxies themselves are the homes of, of the stars yeah. and there's a couple of hundred billion stars in each galaxy. And then the galaxies are just scattered through the universe. I mean, countless billions, really. I wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if it weren't trillions of them. Would you, but not as much as a gazillion. That's, uh, <laughs> That's stupid, isn't it? Isn't a word, is it? Is that, is that a number? No. Sorry, Fact checking there. <laughs> Fatuous checking, I'm going to call it. Um, but okay, I can get my head around that. And then um, I can't remember how it came up, but someone said something along the lines of, and uh, all these uh, billions and billions and billions of galaxies, they're all kind of one ends and then the other one begins, don't they, Stu? To which you answered. Ah, no. They're not. They're not uniformly scattered throughout space and very close together. Um, the space between the galaxies is much, much larger than the diameters of the galaxies themselves. So the Milky Way, which is a, a fairly large galaxy, one of the largest, um, is about a hundred thousand light years across. Mm -hmm. The distance from the Milky Way to the next big galaxy, which is the Andromeda galaxy, is two million light years. So it's sort of a factor of ten um, more empty space than, than galaxies. That sort of thing actually makes me feel slightly nauseous. It's something <laughs> my brain can't... I can't it's quite so cope. ridiculous. It's so insane. I, I think... I mean, and being able, having the tools to measure it as well is is equally fascinating, isn't it? Well, that's one of the one of the absolute classic um, defining moments of twentieth century science was the astronomer Edwin Hubble, who determined how you could measure these distances um, by using stars that that, that pulsate, <clears throat> and all these stars that change their brightness are the same. Um, uh, uh, give out the same amount of light. So if one of them is further away, it will look naturally dimmer. So just pointing you at the mic, even oh, if you're yeah. speaking to Mars, you don't have to make eye contact with him. Oh. And in fact, I'd recommend you don't, you don't. because yeah. Yeah, it, it, it can lead to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bit like, a bit of like, a bit like the space between yeah. galaxies. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So when we look up into the night sky, mm -hmm. do we see anything that isn't in our galaxy? You only see one thing if you know exactly um, where to look. In the if you're in the northern hemisphere, yeah. and you look um, in the constellation of Andromeda, mm -hmm. and um, you you can find the star charts online, but you can just see the Andromeda galaxy at, at just over two million light years away, as this tiny, tiny faint smudge in the sky. So the light that you're, that's, that's hitting your eyes yeah. at that moment uh, was released from the Andromeda galaxy two million years ago. Jeez. What? And no... <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. What? Two million years ago? That so light began its journey, and light is the fastest thing in the universe, but it's taken it it's two million years to cross the void between Andromeda and the Milky Way and arrive. Sean, you look a bit upset by that. Well, my daughter complains after 10 minutes in the car 
So I'm just thinking, <laughs> you know, how long just been, it's just a million, like, like hell. Are we there? Are we there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that'd be a, that'd be a lot of games of Uno, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A nice spy. I spy. I spy something. So we begin with S. Because it's space. So we begin with N. Nothing. So it must be kicking out quite a lot of light as well to get to us the, in the first place there's the combined light of a couple of hundred billion stars is what you're seeing as this barely visible smudge in the sky who left it on that's what I want to know yeah, almost but... as powerful as Blackpool then so. <laughs> yeah you can see Blackpool from space <laughs> <laughs> from Andromeda <laughs> And there's people in Andromeda getting out and going, and uh, this, we're not sure what this is, but uh, round about October, November every year, it gets slightly brighter. And <laughs> We're all told that the light that comes from the surface of the sun takes eight minutes to cross um, space between the sun and the earth so that the light that you know we see is, is eight minutes ago was at the surface of the sun but actually the light itself was created in the center of the sun where through through nuclear processes mm. and then the gas in the sun is just so dense that the light can't can't easily pass through it. It virtually fights its way out, just being sort of knocked around like a billiard ball. And it takes hundreds of thousands of years for that piece of light to get from the centre of the sun to the surface where it can then fly off at the speed of light. So that means that every piece of sunlight that's in this room at the moment was created in the centre of the sun before any human walked to the earth. What? It's true. I think we need to leave it there. I don't think I'll be at hand anymore. I don't think there's any more How do we know this? Yeah, see, yeah, so this is the thing. Yeah, this is what it's, yeah. Miles is having some kind of turn. Yeah. It's a kind of existential crisis going on to my left. It's just incredible, isn't it? So this is where, this is where these kind of mind-blowing things is where... Mathematical modelling comes into play, mm. and this is a big change in the way that science was done in the beginning of the twentieth century. So up until that point, really, a physicist um, would would create an experiment in the lab to see, you know, to to perfectly adjust something to see what that meant for the outcome. Right. But if you're only going to do that, then how can you know anything about the stars? That's the question. You can't mm. ever go and directly measure some of these things. You can't reach them. So you have to develop all these indirect um, ways of doing it. And uh, a British astrophysicist called Arthur Eddington, he said, well, there are certain things I can measure about stars, for example, like their brightness. Mm -hmm. And then I can use the physics from the lab to work out a plausible um, scenario for how that star is working. And I can calculate and, and, and model with mathematics what a star would do and how it would behave. Mm. And then I'll just transform that into things that I can measure to test my ideas. So in a sense, you can't be absolutely certain for 100% that these are the right um, explanations, but they fit all of the known facts. 
Um, and so you, you, there is an element of, uh, of of faith, I suppose, in what we're doing. But yeah. it's based upon um, rigorous uh, physics as defined in the laboratory, and then uh, just mathematics and measurement of what you can see about the universe and the creation of plausible models um, for what these celestial objects are and how they behave. Can we be certain when that light is kind of pinging inside the sun, our star, can we be certain it isn't making the same noise a pinball machine makes when it hits off one of the... Or like pong. Yeah. Dunk. Uh, uh, yes, you can actually. Has he got flippers? That... <laughs> <laughs> a little, little tally score at the top. Yeah. If it all goes a bit wrong, you get a tilt sign. Something that what, was it last week or the week before this popped up? that there might be some habitable planets <clears throat> yes. not too far away. Yeah, that's right. So 40 light years away, uh, three planets have been discovered around uh, the same star. But the key thing about these is that the star is extremely dim. It's, uh, it's an ultra-cool dwarf star, and it's only about the size of <laughs> Jupiter. Sorry, Sam's system. laughing. Why are you laughing at a ultra-cool dwarf star? <laughs> yeah, <you're... laughs> I just pictured one of the seven dwarves in sunglasses and, <laughs> and jeans, <Okay>. ripped jeans. <laughs> Can I say, I know you're about to say, why, why is it when, whenever something's small in space, it's never, it's about the size of a, a Brazil night. It's always like, it's the size of, you know, like, a million years. Or it's, 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 nothing's ever really small, is it? Is, is there anything that's smaller than, like... Do you like, measure anything in Brazil nights? <laughs> yeah, there's nothing, is there genuinely anything to start there? It's genuinely really small. Yeah, you could have a little, oh, apart from atoms. Um... <laughs> yeah, <probably. laughs> From atoms, yeah. Is there anything small in space? No, apart from oh, that thing that makes up all of space. Oh no, I meant, I meant, you know what? Things you can actually, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So uh, when you go out um, and watch shooting stars, yeah. and meteor showers, those little streaks of light in across the sky in the atmosphere, they're being produced by um, dust grains. Okay. No. The atmosphere. Yeah. There's just little bits of, of dust that have come from asteroids or comets or something like that, and then they burn up and they produce the, the shooting stars in the sky. And, uh, and is it just the speed and the friction that causes the burning and therefore the, the trails? Yeah, essentially, yeah. Get me, episode seven. Say, and each bit of dust is about the size of Oxford Street or something. They're all like normal-sized pieces of dust. They're, they're, yeah, they're, 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 okay. they're all like, yeah. Like peanuts or something like, like that. Like they can be peanut-sized, yeah, smaller or... You know. See, that peanut-sized dust is a big bit of dust. Oh, yeah, how many bits yeah. of dust in your house, Sean, have you got the size of peanuts? Well, it's been a difficult year for him. It's just a cleaner in What's happening in your house? That you money was spent if you've got a cleaner. I don't know, you need to get the NASA lads on it or something. Hang on, isn't most dust human skin? It is. In which case, yeah. it's coming off you in well, peanut-sized for... nuggets. Yeah, I've been looking for my ear for a couple of weeks, so yeah. <laughs> there you go. I don't know what's going on? You were telling oh, us we... about these planets. These pla- yeah, so these planets. Uh, so, the, so um, the the star itself is extremely dim, so it's not giving up much light. But the planets 
are so close to the star itself that their years last just a few days. They're making complete orbits around their, uh, around this star just in a few days. And if you calculate how warm the surfaces of these planets would be, um, then they're, they're about the temperature that you could have liquid water on the surface. Mm-hmm. So the state of the art of looking for these planets at the moment is just to do that calculation. And if you get somewhere around you know, 30 degrees or so, um, you go, oh, that could be habitable. So, um, How long would it take us to get there? Uh, we're travelling at the speed of light 40 years, um, but we don't get any, even a fraction um, of that. So it's, it's centuries of, or thousands of years of travel time. However, the most important thing about it is because they're close by and because the the star that they're orbiting is relatively dim, it means that it's a re- really good targets for uh, the next generation of telescopes that are being developed at the moment uh-huh. to try and see the light from the star pass through the atmospheres of these planets. And then we can start looking for the chemical composition of the atmospheres. So we can actually be able to test um, within the next decade to 20 years whether there's there's life on those planets because life actually changes the chemical composition of the atmosphere of the planet. So Earth's atmosphere um, just tells anyone who wants to look that there's life here because you've got oxygen in there, you've got methane, you've got carbon dioxide, and these things don't naturally um, exist together. So that's, I think, the real excitement. That is exciting. What were you going to say, Sam? No, that's mind-blowing. Um. This may be a bit of a, well, it is a tangent, but I'm not going to apologise for it. Um, Say we did spot life Mm -hmm. and we knew it was somehow intelligent life. Mm -hmm. What would happen? What happens then? I mean, that's, I mean, that's the really interesting question, isn't it? I mean, you, I thank you, Mark. I'm, I'm re- Mark asked a really interesting question. Is that the first time I've ever said that in this podcast? It probably is. Actually, yeah. I'll let my guard down there tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, so what happens? What does happen? Well, um, it's now if I remember this correctly, the 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 sort of the the, the best practiced guidelines um, are that. Everyone is told. There's, there's, there's. I mean, there would be there's no chance of conspiracy theory and cover-ups and anything like this. Mm. There's just absolutely no chance. And the the reason why this is why there's 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 no um, secret store of of UFOs and crashed spacecraft and alien bodies being hidden away by any kind of you know government anywhere, because of course, what would be the biggest thing to generate a funding boost for scientific research and that would be finding <laughs> alien life yeah. so there's no way nasa's going to sit on that <laughs> yeah um the, the question you see that, that that you can get to if you find extraterrestrial life is is it based on dna and that's a crucial question because on Earth, we can only have life through DNA to, 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 to carry the genetic information and to um, make copies of it. But can there be other molecules? Now, if there are other molecules that can carry genetic information, then the origin of life on that planet, wherever that is, 
must be different from the origin of life event on the earth. Yeah. And if you can have two different ways of, of, of carrying information and making life, it automatically makes the chances of, uh, of life elsewhere just much bigger. Because it doesn't have to follow the same path. One set path. That we did, yeah. If, however, you, 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 you somehow did find that, the, that extraterrestrial life was based on DNA, then well, DNA is so difficult to create... How does it? How does it do it twice identically on two different planets, so far, far apart? Um, can life in some way be transported through space, or maybe on meteorites or something like that? Well, um, we have seen Prometheus. I don't know if that's. But, oh, gee, I haven't Rid- seen Prometheus. Scott's got there before us. Yeah. yeah spoiler it's alert. Not for the film you won't watch. Yeah, I won't watch any of these films. <laughs> It'll grow a beard called Prometheus, so. Oh, reference to my beard. (laughs) What's uh, what's Tim Peake up to? Oh, Tim Peake's been taking his driving test. Has he? So yes. What? What in space? (laughs) I tell you where I bet he's been practicing. My road. I'm not kidding you. Oh, the three-point turners. It's a bit like that bit in um, Super Mario Kart. Um, in the thingy coconut mole, do you know coconut mole? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. Yeah, and yeah. the bit at the end of it, before you oh, did, yeah, before yeah. you get to the lap where people are just going forwards and back, and there's about three or four in little cars <laughs> going forwards and back, and you have to. That's what my road is like. <laughs> it's very. I know everyone has to learn somewhere. And most time I come, I get caught behind. Yeah. Someone, <laughs> yeah. And they stall it as well. Which is every nice. time. Oh. Every time. Honestly, it drives me mad. Sorry, Stu, so you were Tim saying... Been ta- he's driving this in space. Yeah, so what's, uh, what's, what he's been doing, he, he's um, up on the space station, and he's been uh, remotely operating a rover that will one day be used to um, explore Mars... Well, I think you meant like a Rover 75 yeah, or something. Range Rover. 3.5 3. V8. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, yeah, not such a high trim standard on these Rovers at the moment. Uh... And he's been controlling it, a uh, remote control in a car park in Harlow. <laughs> well, funny, <laughs> funny you oh, should say on. that. Um, it wasn't Harlow. Um, it was in Stevenage. No way! The, uh, the, and I... <laughs> So, so um, there's there's the big company Airbus um, that, yeah. uh, that uh, oh, yeah. in Stevenage, and they're building. Wonder the... what they do. <laughs> <laughs> do they make buses for the, that air. Go in the air? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, carry on. Well, they make. Um, uh, they're building the rover um, that the European Space Agency will send to Mars in 2020, and. Uh, they have a number of experimental rovers, um, that, prototypes that they have there. And they now have, um, it's just behind the cinema virtually, they now have a big warehouse, um, sort of hangar, that they've decked out as, as like it's Mars. And, it's, and, it's, and, 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 they, and, and they call it... Stevenage. Stevenage. It is all day. And it hasn't been nicked. Well, I'll tell you what, I didn't see any hubcaps on those rovers. But... <laughs> Oh, for all our listeners in Stevenage, we don't mean it. We it's do been tagged, it. though. They've tagged all the craters. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean, Miles? Spray, you know, when you sort of tag something. Yeah. Oh, he's, so, he's so out of touch oh, with the youth, aren't you? The youth. The youth. <laughs> so, have you been there? Yeah, so I was there for Tim Peake controlling the, the, the rover. What? 
<laughs> well, you so, just you just mentioned this now. They, <laughs> so they, they they invited a load of the press there, and uh, we we had a very jolly um, afternoon actually. So. Uh, and, and Tim Peake, so they, they, they'd um, decked out half of this Mars yard. It's pretty dim in there because they wanted it to be like at, 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 um, at, at twilight on Mars. And then they'd put these big screens up so that there was like a cave. And, um, and, and, and Tim Peake's job, with about 10 minutes warning was to be given a, a sort of a mission sheet and a few um, uh, instructions on how to p- pilot this rover from his laptop. And then he had to go into this um, shielded, uh, screened area, which was virtually pitch black in there, mm. and look for special um, rocks that had been marked, um, simulating, looking for the science targets. And he was just doing all of this just on the fly from the space station. And the exercise lasted 90 minutes. And and I stood still pretty much in the Mars yard for those 90 minutes and Tim Peake went all the way around the Earth once in those 90 minutes while he was what? while he was doing this. Because the space station goes all the way around the Earth once every 90 minutes. Wow. I'd get some pretty bad motion sickness with that. <laughs> with that happening. Wait, so was he going around... So, Trying to locate these rocks. Yes, yeah, so it was. Anyone done? going warmer? What? Cold like that, helping him? That, <laughs> was he just just keeping quiet? Freezing cold. Freezing <laughs> cold, Tim. Come on. Yeah. You've already been there, Tim. What's the matter with you? <laughs> what, Mars. What they the done. same area of the main. Oh, planet. sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what they've done is they've painted fluorescent um, crosses on some of the rocks. Is that likely to happen in Mars? <laughs> <laughs> some of the most stabilo boss pens. See, those pens. <laughs> That's why it was quite funny when you were talking about tagging the craters. Oh, we see. Did he have a walk around it when he was on Earth? No. He had absolutely no idea. He just didn't know where any of these rocks were or anything. Do you think it was actually Mars? Which brings me to the the slightly funny part of the whole day. He was doing absolutely brilliantly um, until he... Oh, oh, the rover's called Bridget, by the way. Well, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he managed to shove Bridget up on a rock. Oh, Tim. It was going so well. It was going so well. what, what does Bridget do when she's on a rock? Well, actually, she's so well designed that she just sort of like perches there for a bit and then he drives her straight off, off it because that's just what Mars rovers are designed to do. But it did look quite funny as it was just like on this uh, you know, Mars rover called Bridget at a jaunty angle on a rock. In Stevenage. <laughs> In Stevenage. <laughs> Or you can, typical Friday night. <laughs> Headline gold, that was. <laughs> Bridget's on a rock. But absolutely brilliant. All the systems worked. Because um, part of the problem, of course, as well, is mentioning this fact that he's going around the Earth, you know, yeah. um, goes around the Earth once during this exercise, and, and yet he stays in contact through the relay satellites. And it doesn't drop out at all. It just went. We had a five-minute gap, which was planned. They knew it was coming, this, this blackout. Right. It just embarrassingly happened to be when he'd shoved it up on a rock so everyone could go down and have a bit of a giggle um but then just like a champ as soon as he was one idiot (laughs) (laughs) someone 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 was stood behind me and said uh well that's what you get if you hire a helicopter pilot to (laughs) to drive a car (laughs) meanwhile this amazing first is happening um via the international space station (laughs) idiot 
So, uh, yeah, so it was a, a, a huge, huge success. So part of what this is designed for is that we can send um, people to planets much more easily than we can send them to planets and then land them on the surface. Right. So you could imagine spacecraft going into orbit around the moon or around Mars and then the astronauts uh, moving the rovers around in real time and just using them as, as robotic extensions, um, you know, their own arms and, and mm. that kind of thing. So this is, this really will be technology for future exploration. That's great. Amazing. That is amazing. You didn't you didn't let us know about this before. Was it? How, how much longer has Mr. Pete got up there? Oh, he's, he's coming back in the summer. So okay. it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's just it's just racing by the time. Yeah, how long has he been up there already? Uh, since November, I want to say November. Oh. So it's towards the end of last year. He's, he's not going to summer. Oh, it might there. be December. Yeah, no, no, he's coming back. Mm. He'll probably mm. go to Croatia or something like the rest of us. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to Croatia? No. Bit of an odd thing to say then. <laughs> I was just, trying, I was just trying to throw you off the scent. Kind of a fortnight in Port Venus. Nice relax. Big colour. All inclusive. That's all your entertainment. All entertainment. It's, it's I mean, full bald. Well, it's half bald, but, 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 but the snacks are so between. good. But, yeah. Oh, I, I hit the mic. It's only beer and um, spirits. You can't have brandy stuff. But it's very good value. <laughs> <laughs> Just before we started recording, I did uh, make a throwaway pure old comment about... Um, we, we, I, I, Could you stop looking away from the mic? Sorry, sorry. I was just looking at what I was talking about. So, uh, yes, um, so everyone can see me looking away from the mic, obviously. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, yeah, I asked uh, whether you could eat biscuits in space. And, and, and seriously, it's a very good question, because apparently you can't eat things in space that are messy or cause debris. That's correct. Crumb- so crumbly things, crumbly things are really space. bad. Crumbs in space are just, you know, worse than, than, than crumbs in your own home. Because they just float around. What would be worse, biscuit or feta? Oh, oh, oh what like squeegee bits of feta? As in, like, yeah, you can crumble feta. Like, if if there were feta crumbs or biscuit crumbs, what would be worse? Um, let's think. I'm going to go with biscuit crumbs. Why? The reason about the thing about crumbs is that um, they can get inside electrical circuits and. Uh, and, and short circuit um, things, mm. so that's why you're not allowed crumbly food in space. So if you want to eat bread, for example, or some sort of bread product, then it's it's tortillas and wraps. So tortillas are quite crumbly, aren't they? Really? No, they they're, they're not like you bread. Can tear you, them. Can, you can tear them rather than they don't sort of crumble you're away. Like, do they? Thinking of tacos, I think. Oh, maybe. Mm. Yeah, tacos. Don't, don't take those. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Doritos. Um, <laughs> Tangy cheese. <laughs> um, and feta. That would stink, wouldn't it? Oh, it would. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Do use-by dates count in space? Um, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Well done, Mark. What makes you think they wouldn't count in space? <laughs> um, Time stops. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've piped up now, obviously. Um, I don't know. Question. I don't know. Well, you know, because the atmosphere is different. It's pure because uh, it's all kind of being pumped uh, in, isn't yeah. it? I mean, most of the food will be sort of vacuum sealed. So, um, mm. yeah. What's a sort of typical typical dinner? Well, they they have a range of things that they can take. The most interesting thing um, about all of this is that the foods that taste good to you on Earth often don't uh, aren't, aren't good in space. It's the space air, space air, because it's the, <laughs> what they find is that astronauts crave spicy foods. So they're just, just because they're strong flavors. Just because they're strong flavors. So because you've got no natural, um, really smells up on the space station. You know everything's mm. so filtered, and and somehow or another, uh, the the yeah when you, when they want food, um, they want the the really strong flavors and things that they test on Earth and say they don't like on Earth, they can then suddenly sort of really like them. Up in space. That's really weird. Let's play a game I'm making up on the spot called Space or Erase. Bear with me. Possibly go wrong. We'll say foodstuffs, (laughs) and if it's okay to eat in space, you say space, and if it's not, you say erase. (laughs) I think we should work on the title for next time. (laughs) Not even Channel 5 would commission this. No, okay. Um, okay. Sounds like a partridge idea. Okay. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Bananas. Uh, Yeah, space. Space, thank you. Please play by the rules. Sorry. Sam? Um... Say dime f- bars. Dime bars. Chocolate, chocolate bar. Chocolate bar. Yeah, if you no, no, specifically yeah. dime bars. Oh, they're not they crumbly. Do, they don't crumble, but they oh, well, snap. In that case, I mean, well, that, yeah, that, yeah, you could probably take some of those. Okay. Mm. Rice. Rice, yeah, that'd be good. Space, sorry, space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Cornish pasty. No way. <laughs> um, on so many little... Oh, sorry. Oh, dear. Erase. <laughs> <laughs> Whose uh, name's in the beginning of this podcast? Um, Is it the Markyverse? No. He's <laughs> oh, never oh, been like this before. He's never been like this before. <laughs> Is it your turn again? It is. Okay. There's no one else is thinking of anything. Space. Tic Tacs. Tic Tacs. Good. Uh, yeah, space. Um, uh, a jacket potato with beans and cheese. 
<laughs> Erased, definitely, on so many levels. Oh, because of the... Oh. <laughs> Spaghetti. Ooh. How, how are you doing it? Four ways? Just... <laughs> Sorry Fresh, to hear that. dried and burnt. <laughs> Just straight spaghetti. So there's no bolognese on it. I don't want to. I don't want to mess with it. Yeah, yeah spaghetti would be good. Would you be? Able, would you space? Sorry. <laughs> would you? Be, would you be able to cook it? Would you have to take it up, dry and cook it up there? Or oh, you don't. Like they, 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 I'm assuming they don't have like the cooking facilities. They're not even have a George Foreman grill. A deep fat fryer. Yeah, very handy. It warms all the towels out. Whatever, whatever shower keeps the whole space warm. An oil keeps burner. The whole space station warm. <laughs> and it, the only thing is, it, yeah, weighs the entire spaceship down. It's so heavy. <laughs> why, is, why, why is the space station lurching like that? Oh, hang on. I think that's the end where the arger the is. Arger. <laughs> it takes about a fortnight to cook a chicken. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Put the flavour of it. Oh, I can not believe it. The idea that everything stops on a Sunday afternoon on the space station for a roast. Well, here we go, it's roast game. Another five minutes. <laughs> Tim has got his space pinny on. <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Do you joke about Shrove Tuesday on the space station? Oh, yeah. So uh, you were saying about uh, worst possible thing probably to have would be Shrove Tuesday doing uh, pancake tossing because you would throw it up in the air and it would remain so. (laughs) Oh, it's done it again. In the end, there's something like 48 pancakes just, just just floating around in space. Because they haven't remembered each time. So I'll get rid of these pancakes and ruin it under my skin. Obstacle course. <laughs> oh, dear me. Um, okay, uh, I'm going to ask you about um, uh, the new NASA mission. Oh, Juno, that's arriving at Jupiter next month. So we can talk about it more when it um, actually gets there. This is quite an exciting mission because we still don't really know how Jupiter formed. It's the the largest planet in the solar system. Uh, It's 10 times more than 10 times uh, the diameter of the Earth. And there are two different ways that it it can form. It can either form extremely quickly, so there's just a um, a, a lot of, of of gas that just falls together very quickly, or it can form much more like we think the Earth formed, in that little um, bits of rock come together and and build up into something bigger, and then when it reaches about three to five times the mass of the Earth, then it starts pulling gas out of the nebula and becomes Jupiter. And this spacecraft will fly such close orbits around the planet that um, its movement will tell us whether there is this um, big rocky core um, in the centre or whether it's just um, sort of homogenous and gaseous all the way through. Wow. So it's a, that's a really exciting mission. It will also look for um, the water content of um, Jupiter as well, because that can tell us whereabouts it formed in the solar system. So it may not be that Jupiter is now in the orbit in which it's formed. 
It may have moved slightly. It may have shifted. Yes, and when we see the planets around other stars, um, we certainly see big planets like Jupiter extremely close to their stars, and, and no one can really think that they can form there. There's just not enough material um, for the planets to form from that close to their stars. So we think they've moved, they've formed further out, and then migrated inwards. So Would that be the gravity of the star? Can you, can you define extremely close? <laughs> Brazil not, not going to be extremely close, is it? That was an astronomically <laughs> I know, speaking, I know. Um, uh, extremely close. <laughs> yes, but uh, yeah, still a million uh, kilometers or a couple of million, something like that. So. Uh, but if we can start measuring the um, so the water content of Jupiter to work out where it formed and now where it is today, we can then subsequently do those same measurements for these planets around other stars. So you can measure their water content and see, and that will be the sort of fingerprint of where they formed. So we'll be able to look at where they are measure this water to see where they formed and know how much um, they've migrated. And it's probably a, um, a sort of a friction process with the, the cloud in, from which they formed. So it saps their orbital energy and then they sort of fall inwards. And it may be that if these planets form very quickly while the clouds are still very dense around them, then they move. Uh, there's, there's more time for them to migrate and move. So by going to Jupiter and understanding its internal structure, its formation, and how it's moved between then and now, uh, we'll be able to apply that to um, the, all the planets, you see thousands of planets that we now know exist around other stars. So it unlocks, um, the, the, well, it, un, it unlocks these planets and their history for us. Wow. How, do, how does Juno and, in fact, any other satellite or mm-hmm. um Discovery probe? mission is it, probe? Probe? is it a probe? Spacecraft, anything. Spacecraft. Yeah. How do they transmit data back? Through radio signals. So they just have the, the big dish um, that sort of dominates these spacecraft mm. is, the, is the thing that points back to Earth. And it's just radio, not... It's radio. But at the moment, in Earth orbit now, we're starting to experiment with laser communications. Hello. So, Hello. There's a new system up there called EDRS, which is um, just being uh, put up by the um, by the European Space Agency at the moment. That's a laser-based relay system. Now, we have a friend. I'm looking at Miles. We have a friend. Uh, we won't say who he is, but he once told me that his office in London communicates all its data to another office in London via a laser oh, that's right. on the yeah. rooftop, yeah. beaming straight to a kind of a receiver dish or something i think that's that it's the way to go because you can put much more um data on a laser beam than you can on a radio signal so your bandwidth is automatically bigger um because it's it, it's beamed directly and and, and radio waves spread out a lot more you, uh, you you don't need to use so much power um and also if it's if it's sensitive data as well um it's very difficult to intercept um, with a radio signal. You know, you're just you're just beaming it out pretty much all over the place. I was going to say you can't um, send it everywhere, don't you? If it's a radio signal, exactly. So, and if it, but if it's on a laser beam, then it's 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 really you know sharply pointed. And if you're going to try and interfere with that in any way, then you're going to have a loss of signal mm-hmm. um, power. So, you, in principle, you should be able to detect that. So, these are just it's just it's just better 
always round to use optical communication. We should try and get our um, our internet laser beamed in. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a good thing? To our office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not, not the best see internet. That happening, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's very likely. That's very likely. I'm going to ask you one more quick thing, then we'll see if the, uh, the chaps here want to ask you anything else. Sean, you're very quiet. I feel a bit lightheaded actually listening to some of this stuff. <laughs> it's, I'm just getting oh, my head around. No, it. you know what that will be? Stu's voice. Mm. I've been yeah. told by a lady friend that she adores Stu's voice and that um, it it makes her feel funny. Well, he like can, wine. He yeah. can calm Panic raging bulls. Funny, wine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what funny? Panic attack funny. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, still in the airing cupboard. I do, I do think, I've said this before, you have a very soporific voice. I think oh, it'd be let's, brilliant let's, for kids. Yeah, let's, no, it's, yeah, let's, I just think it's got a wonderful storytelling yeah. voice. It's beautiful. Stop branching yeah. out a bit. Anybody want to say anything about my voice or...? I think you should say less. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you should, Mark. Say. <laughs> oh, I'll just, just hold up little post-it notes for the question. Yeah. Let's I, never do I, this again. I, yeah. um, I, I do actually have a friend who said to me, I think Mark's got a really nice voice. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, nice. Hello. Hi. Hold on. <coughs> Don't do your Terry Wogan. Hi. Oh, shall I do my Terry Wogan? No, oh, no, no, no. God, I'll do it once. I'll do it, just get it out of the way. Ah. That's it. <laughs> John Coulshaw over there. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, this won't be great for people listening, but I'm going to do it as a clue for Stu, okay? I'm going to now mime something, and it's the clue for what I'd like you to tell us about. That's another NASA mission-y thing at the moment. Just give me a bit of space, Sam, this is please. going to work perfectly, isn't it, mate? Or if I need to quick take a picture... Quick. Does anyone want to describe like what I'm say, doing? Mark's kind of zombie. doing a zombie looking up in the air with his Lightning arms up. Shot. Can I just uh, check that since this is one of your fast days, yeah. was that the mime or did you just suddenly zone out? <laughs> did, did I just have an absence? Yeah, no, that is the mime. You look like a bloated corpse floating in the Ganges. <laughs> <laughs> and, to all, and to all our younger listeners, um, <laughs> hey, we might edit a bit of this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you managed to get 50 minutes through. Well, you thinking. said it was a half hour, so for me, oh, it was yeah, all bits are yeah. off once I'm 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do my impression, uh, my mime again. Here we go. There you go. So, Mark is in suspended animation. Bingo! <laughs> yeah, so NASA, um, NASA are funding um, study. Uh, to look into the possibility of of putting astronauts into some form of suspended animation to get them to to Mars and back, like the beginning of Alien, like the beginning of Alien, Ooh. yeah, except without the Alien, obviously, well, yeah. you know, that would like be a bad. Well, thing. we don't know that. Um, we've been saying about how we want to find extraterrestrial life. <laughs> so, um, yes, it's to um, try to uh, induce a kind of um, torpor in. Um, <laughs> in just like the word torpor is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it's made him cough. It has made me cough, actually. Um, yes. Uh, 
You know how you get is it some Radio afternoons. Three? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say that, should I? Because you do stuff for Radio Three. I Brilliantly, I like well. jazz record requests. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, they're going to. Um, <clears throat> it comes from. Uh, these studies that they've done where they've found that if they induce mild hypothermia into cardiac arrest victims, I mean, you would have thought the last thing they needed <laughs> was another problem. Um, but the survival rate um, is much heard this. higher. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so this idea of, of trying to cool um, people down so that they, you know, go into this uh, sort of hypothermic torpor. Um, <laughs> the chest freezer in Iceland. Amongst <laughs> <laughs> the peas, launch that. Yeah. Um, that is, well, actually, I mean, that's the that's that's sort of what we're talking about um, here. So, um, to try to study this and see if it has as longer term applications. So, um, what are they? practicing on <laughs> I think Sean's got something to say on this score. no I was just thinking like normally you give people a cup of tea if they're not very well <laughs> what? I might be doing the opposite I'd be Luke doing it all wrong that's, that's yeah. what you'd be going wrong with Ivy <laughs> and a copy of Woman's Realm <laughs> next yeah. time she complains you know it's in the fridge with you yeah. Again, for our younger listeners, <laughs> <laughs> mummy and daddy or whoever cares for you isn't really going to put you in a fridge or chest freezer. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, this company has been given uh, about half a million dollars um, by NASA just to, to study this effect. Um, we could have well, done it for half I, that. I, I was going to say, I could have done it for a fraction of that, yeah. I should have applied it. <clears throat> They'll come up for funding again next year. So should we apply for it? Uh, yeah, download the form. Got nothing else on. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> Dan Curry's a couple of chest freezers, few few people willing to clamber in. <laughs> clamber and don't help them in any way. Sorry, part of the you're, you're part of the test head. for being. Well, part, film that, that, that's how we'll keep the cost down. Obviously, yeah. You know, we won't have any sort of like ladder or. You know, did steps. you did you feel sleep? Right? Not much. We need some more money. <laughs> it's not working. So is it? Not, it's not NASA doing the actual project. So they've got, they've no, got another uh, company. Oh, here we go. It's an Atlanta-based um, company called SpaceWorks. Um, yeah, it's capable of placing the crew in an inactive torpor state for the duration of the in-space mission segments. I reckon you just need to choose the right things to show them on the on the in-flight TV service, and then <laughs> that will like, do it. Um, so, yeah, the point, what's the benefits of it as opposed to... Ah, of course. Um, <clears throat> you don't need to take... You shed loads of food. Oh, and, right, okay, yeah. And all yeah. of that with you. Or all much space. Or word searches. <laughs> Sudoku's. Who <laughs> <laughs> <Uno>. knows? <laughs> you so, really cut down on the in flight entertainment. The idea that they would have some people would still be um, awake on the spacecraft to, you know, to, mm. to to make sure everything was fine and to make sure the, um, the those sleeping are fine and all the rest of it. Yeah, so you don't, and then you, you don't, don't wake up; the entire thing's just gone. Yeah, yeah. trying on everyone else's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> That's just you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm David. Oh, look at me! I think I'm the best astronaut. Said, We're awake, by the way. <laughs> oh, sorry, I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I mean, it's it the way it's been written up in the press. It's it's like they're actually building these capsules and these the uh, and what have you. But it, it's just a study to see if it's it's possible. So, see, I, surely it's going to cost a lot more than a few people 
Wait and a few bags of dehydrated chopped suey from to eat for four <laughs> days and keep them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it takes more than four days to get to well, Mars. Well, you know, but yeah, nine months. Know. Nine months. Oh, well, I suppose space to store all the stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's very yeah. true. Yeah. So, and the more uh, and, and the more you need to take, so the more weight you've got, so the the, the more expensive to launch. Right. Okay. And, and oh, all of these so kind I of things. That was a crest comment. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Um, I I mean, the, the really put out. <laughs> Well, that's just don't get involved. Um, <laughs> sorry, Stu, what you were saying? No, I mean it's. I think it's just one of those. It's it's one of these sort of science fiction ideas that um, that that all the space agencies, ESA, study these kind of advanced concepts as well. And it's it. I, I view it as a bit like playing poker. Really, you know, you put some money up front, yeah, you know, um, and to see if you get anywhere. And if it's a bad hand and it's not going to work and it's not going to save you in the long term, just fold and go back to you know, doing things the way you've done them before. Just cheat. Just... <laughs> yeah, load the deck. I don't know what that means, but yeah. It's exciting, though, because you're right. It is the staple of decades' worth of science fiction. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. The, the people in the pods asleep, yeah. Mm. You know, and there are certain animals as well that, that, that naturally go into hibernation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and survive freezing conditions and things like that. So you, nature's finding a way to do these things. Um, so, in principle, there should be a way for us to do it with with human beings as well. Makes sense. Wouldn't you lose like muscle mass though, having like not using your body would, for a long time? I would imagine that that's one of the um, things that they would look at. Yeah, with, yeah. Also, I would imagine. I mean, animals do this, don't they? When they then when they hibernate, they have to bulk up, and then mm. um, uh, and and then they sort of steadily lose um, that weight. Yeah. Uh, if they if they were if this system was reducing your metabolism hugely, however, um, then that might stave that off because it's only the metabolism oh, yeah. and then the energy burning. Um, but. But these are—I I imagine these are the kinds of things that you would want to study um, to know if it's a goer or not. We're almost out of time, but we have got time for our, our guests just to ask any quick-fire questions. Anything been bothering you about the uh, the universe? Yes. You want? Yes, Sean. Uh, quite a lot. Is that your question? <laughs> More of a statement, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Quite a lot. So, so imagine somebody's doing their spacewalk, uh-huh. okay? Yeah. And for whatever reason, the helmet cracks. Yeah. And they're on their own. That's it, right? No one can get to them. Uh-huh. What will really happen? Because obviously we've seen what happens in movies, and it looks like it's made up, you know, Faces, you know, skin falling off, and all the rest of it. What, what would really happen for our younger listeners? <laughs> when we say skin falling off, we don't mean actually falling off. We mean turning into unicorns. Sorry, over to you, Stu, to answer that. Um, yeah, this will get messy, actually. So, um, because what, what, what's going to happen is, 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 is you're going to depressurize. Um, and 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 so you know, blood vessels and things like that are, are just going to burst. Mm. Uh, so it wouldn't be a lot of fun. Uh, no. How long? How long would that take? Oh, now I'm 
gosh, there were, I mean, in the 1950s, 1960s, so the beginning of the space race, um, yeah, there were some very um, unpleasant experiments done. Uh, it's, I mean, it's minutes. I mean, it's, it's minutes, yeah. Mm. Brought everyone down. Yeah, what a way to finish the podcast. I just, yeah. mm-hmm. I just thought you could hold Maybe. your breath or something. Yeah. No, I was just about to say something about that. Because a bit there was a, yeah. It's fine now. <laughs> There's a science fiction sort of trope um, at one stage about the one thing you shouldn't do if you're, de- if, if, if you're in a depressurization situation is hold your breath because you just put more external pressure inside you making the whole thing worse oh. now whether that's whether whether that's just i remember whether, that from event horizon oh whether that's just science fiction nonsense you'd have to look at the um uh you'd have to look I'd at hardly the, the, call the event horizon nonsense oh sorry yeah i realized i realized i made <laughs> it's it's the raw nerve there. <laughs> <laughs> um Mars, have you got anything you um, want to quickly ask that maybe doesn't involve people's vessels bursting? No, uh, skin falling off? Uh, like little moonbeams. Um, so, uh, <laughs> the moonbeams. Um, what are... So, if, if you're in space, uh, Tim Peake's in space, what are, what are the possible psychological effects of being in space that long in one confined place? I mean, it's, it's it's the same as the psychological effects of of, of being confined in a in a yeah. space on Earth, really. Yeah, that's what, what I would imagine, and uh, and sort of each each person copes with it. As, and do they have do they have they ways can. of training people for that, yeah. as well as all the physical training, the sort of the mental aspect of it as well? Yes, and and and, and choosing the right people in the first place, right? And, the... and but also providing them with as much sort of links to home. As possible, yeah. so that you know they can uh, you know, make telephone calls and emails yeah, yeah. And, and all of these kinds. Play of with things. remote control vehicles in exactly. Steve Nitch, that exactly. kind of thing. Yeah. It's just distraction therapy. Yeah. Do you reckon? Is it your question? Well, are, you, are you going to ask? Your I'm going to ask a question. Yeah. Do you reckon, Sam? Your question. Thanks. Do you reckon? What we do without him? Oh God! I don't <laughs> know. Okay, no, sorry, I won't interrupt. Okay. So you know how. Well, I, I certainly I do. If I'm going to go on a plane, I don't watch movies about plane crashes and stuff. Do you reckon most astronauts avoid films like Alien and Event Horizon before they go up? <laughs> they all get together just for us, just for the traditional watching of Apollo 13. Yeah. People get together. Yeah. Yeah. Get to an eight pack of Stella each <laughs> for the night before. The Russians, terrible. The Russians do have um, a ritual. That they go through on the night before. So Tim Peake went through this um, ritual as well. Okay. Um, and what happens in the woods? And there's lots of candles. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, there is a host body. <laughs> <laughs> they watch this one particular film. They eat this uh, the same meal. Um, they sign the door of the room they slept in the night before. They get um, taken to the rocket. Um, they urinate on the wheel of the of the vehicle that's taken them to the rocket. Really? Yes. How peculiar. In fact, and, and gosh, this, I think they do all the things that Yuri Gagarin did before his first space flight. 
Why did he urinate on the way? Because he just bust him and just couldn't take him back. <laughs> sorry, he was mate, drunk. You're going to have to go here. I'm sorry. It's too far to take you back. All the test pilots used to do that before they got in their planes. Because the one thing they couldn't risk was burst bladders and that sort of thing when they were um, you know, test flying and things like that. So that does have a, um, sort of a route in reality. To oh, they, aviation. Do that. Yeah. yeah. Ah. But now it's become a it's become a thing. Okay, there you go. I, this has been fun, mm-hmm. hasn't it? Very, very interesting. And a nice dress rehearsal for our next podcast, mm-hmm. which is a secret. <laughs> um, right, just before we go quickly, anyone got anything they want to plug in a nice way? Stu, you got anything? Uh, no, nothing. No. What about aren't you doing the Guardian stuff? Uh, to plug that? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can come and uh, visit um, uh, my Guardian blog across the universe and yeah. uh, read all about space and things. That's nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean, anything quick? It's got to be quick. No. Oh, that was quick. Miles? No, nothing Nothing of note. Well, mates with plates. Mates oh, with plates. plates. Yeah, I didn't want, I didn't want to sort of uh, yeah, hijack the nice. show. Well, you're not. Um, so, yeah, we'll hope, but we've only done... Something. Anyway, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Super sharp edits. Uh, so we've only done two, but we're hoping to another one very, very soon. So And what is it? It's a food podcast. It is a food podcast, yeah. I ask a question, I answer the question. Well done. I don't yeah, it is a food pause. podcast. Yeah. yeah. Sam? Um, mates with plates no other than that okay well this has been fun thank you for joining us Um, thank you to Sam and Miles and Sean Um, and thank you to Dan Bramall for our artwork Mm. thank you to everyone who's helped in any way Um, I'm Mark O'Sullivan and I'm Stuart Clark oh it's like we rehearsed that and we didn't we're just like an oiled machine (laughs) perfect Symbiosis, isn't it? It's beautiful. Isn't it? Mm. Bye. 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 Oh, Mark, if, you, if you had the opportunity to go into space, would you go into space? Me? Yeah. No. Uh, would anyone here? What if we paid for you to go? <laughs> what if you got really drunk? <laughs> Depends no. how long. What about you, uh, Sean? Depends how long. Oh, say a week. Yeah. Yeah. Sam? I, yeah. I'll say ten away. nights. <laughs> <laughs> Week's not enough. Four that's too long. All yeah, inclusive. Yeah. <laughs> you get transfer buses. <laughs> you get it all laid on. You get yeah, one trip out while you're up there. Why wouldn't, Waterball sunshine. Why wouldn't you do it? <laughs> ten days. Would you? No. Would you, would you would you go into space for a week? Ten days? Would you, would you go in? I don't know, actually. It's. I mean... I'll tell you why, would, why you wouldn't, because all you do is talk about it. Yeah. You're all that. <laughs> <laughs> trousers. I've had always a lot of rubbish. There's no one to back it up. There's no one to challenge him. That's the thing. We've all, all been spun a yarn. It's ridiculous. You just, you, millions you, of light is billions been, of galaxies. You've been letting me get away with it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's I've been encouraging you. We're your enablers. <laughs>